0: Yes I'm here.
1: Rodriguez thank you for joining us a public school teacher uh, from the from the Bronx and a, a member of the movement of rank and file educators or more uh, the social justice uh, caucus within the United Federation of Teachers. So uh, first of all, can you tell us why uh, more it is so concerned about the school, the school's reopening and, and why you think uh, that the the union leadership is now also uh, going to the point where they're threatening a, a strike for the first time in 45 years
0: so more is has been <laughs> concerned about the conditions of schools for years it's one of the issues that we've brought up um, funding is an issue all these things that impact mm-hmm. the quality of the environment that our students are in Currently, understanding ventilation being an issue, cleanliness being an issue, manpower being an issue, all of this connects to funding. We, for a long time, have talked about getting uh, CFE money, uh, the foundation aid that uh, that Albany owes us for the city. So this is not something new to us. We've always known that the schools were falling apart and crumbling. Um, and our, our uh, members have been complaining and talking about this. For years, now that we understand the, the way that the virus is spread, ventilation being key, all of this connects to what we've been saying for the longest is that the schools that are that are educating the most vulnerable students, black and brown students, students in poverty, are the ones that are often with the worst conditions. And this means that we need to have capital improvement and other issues. And you cannot have a safe return to school if all of these things are not taken care of. And we just recently saw on the New York Post that even Cuomo has admitted that, uh, looking at their SUNY on and other schools, uh, the canary and the coal mine being the colleges that already started, that there's likely to be spread immediately as soon as we open up schools from grade right. 12. Right. And, and why do you,
1: so why do you think the UFT is, um, uh, threatening to go on strike now? It hasn't, uh, led a strike in 45 years of, um, so uh, well, you-
0: if you know the history of the UFT, uh, you know they usually decide to make a move when they feel very strongly about it whether they're on the right side of justice or not. In this certain case, having a strike for the lives of their members is probably the most just reason to have a strike. Anything else is uh, self-serving. Anything about money or anything about contract things, it's more about teacher Lives and teacher contract issues we're talking about communities and students and families and our entire neighborhoods right now because the spread was not taken care of, knowing the absolute terrible mistakes that were made in March, the delay of closing, the lack of of uh, following state protocol and doing contact tracing and um outbreaks that were happening in schools that were being held you know quietly and schools not shutting down, the union has to. It represents us. It has to stop their members from dying. And this is not a joke. Schools are supposed to be safe environments, and now they have no choice. The pressure is there from families, from parents, from students, activists, and their own membership that they want to go back where it's safe. The union has to do something. They have to apply pressure to make sure some something moves. It is the moral purpose of having a collaborative union. That's their moral purpose to protect their members. So this is the reason why they should push for a strike to stop the railroading and the pushing towards school when we know nothing is ready. Mm.
1: And um, so, can you can you describe the 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 process here? a strike authorization vote, what, what that would mean, and do, and do you feel like the, the union is prepared for a strike if that, in fact, is what comes to pass?
0: The UFT has its process of going through the executive board and also a delegate assembly, and uh, right now we're all getting messages and um, different feelings about whether this is going to happen or not going to happen, and that has everybody on the tips of their toes waiting to find out how school's going to work out here um the the process seems to be very um right now we don't know how this is working very well we feel very unsupported a lot of people and more complaining that the uft itself has not been consistent and has not been clear that they have seemed to be willing to work with the administration with de blasio and they don't feel like it's strong however the UFT has the power to pull this off. It just has to make the commitment and stick to it. This is not something, this is not a baby union. We're, we, Chicago can pull it off, Baltimore, Philly, and they're tiny compared to us. We are humongous. The UFT has the power. It needs to actually stay with what it's saying and commit all of its energies to making sure that justice is served, that the schools that need the repairs get immediately repaired, and that we return to school safely. Now, they may say that, oh, well, each individual school will be inspected, and if they pass Mm -hmm. the three stages of safety, that that school itself can open um, in person. But the reality is this is something that is also connected to the state. It's connected to funding, and we are looking at a 9K layoff, based on the 20% of funding being withheld by our governor. So, you know, the union is talking about de Blasio and has yet to engage with the issues that are coming down the pipe. Um, Carranza himself even said, we get those cuts, we're going to be remote. There's no way to keep it open.
1: And Richard Carranza is the school's chancellor here in New York City?
0: Yes, he is the, the school chancellor in charge of the schools underneath mayoral control under de Blasio. So our union has the power to do it. They also need to pay attention to what's coming down the pipe from the governor. This is a very complex situation that is is something that requires a lot of effort. And none of this, you know, half, half-hearted half uh, attempts at saying, well, we'll strike if. No, we, we need to be fully united in this and make sure that we get the justice for the students. For our teachers, for the parents who could get infected from their kids, whose families can be devastated. This is not just about our working conditions for students. It, it's really their lives. This right. A life and, and,
1: and death and, issue. And so, I mean, there's been a number of teacher strikes in recent years, uh, in both in big cities in Chicago, Los Angeles, Oakland, among others, and also in even in a number of uh, red states like West Virginia, Kentucky. Oklahoma and uh but you know things have been uh, pretty quiet here in, in New York City uh I guess can you describe a little bit the the UFT's i guess sort of uh in, internal culture or its um I, I guess uh maybe proclivity for wanting to uh, you know reach uh, agreements uh, sort of with their political allies uh, on the inside I mean, I know that doesn't always work out, but that seems to often be their their approach to try to cultivate support from uh, political leaders like uh, de Blasio and Governor Cuomo.
0: The UFT has a long history of being run by the same political group internally, same caucus internally, which is the unity caucus. There are opposition caucuses, but they are small and not in any power to affect policy. The UFT has committed itself to be a business-friendly union. It is not a a radical union in any way, shape, or form, and very often they are more likely to compromise or try to go along to get along, which is one of the reasons why we haven't seen the Red for Ed movement in New York City at the extent that it has in the South and the West and the Midwest. Um, But part of it is because teachers in New York City have a decent salary for the most part, have good benefits, and it's a wide variety of po- political um, perspectives that are that make up the union. So we don't have a super low quality of life as ha- and happening in Kentucky and West Virginia. A lot of these teachers were really suffering. So when you put that pressure, people are more willing to rebel. We are taken care of pretty decently and a lot of us are not as involved in the union Um, and we're more passive, Um, but this needs to change as we start to realize that people can make negotiations behind our back and put us in harm's way in schools that have lead water, asbestos, mold, and now we're finding the ACs and the ventilations are not up to par, and that's why we have outbreaks um, of sicknesses before even COVID. We would have serious issues. So now we're starting to question, and this is a, a, a lumbering giant waking up from having been quiet in you know in the past. Now that we realize how dangerous it can be, and how people can just literally make decisions that can harm us, so the right. rank and file is waking up.
1: Now, I mean, a, a defining feature of so many of these teacher strikes of the past few years. Uh, has been the support of parents and the and sort of uh, the alliance that would be formed between teachers, parents, and students. Uh, do you sense something like that is coming together here in New York?
0: Well, Moore itself has been um, working with CEC parents, PTA parents, SLT parents, and Press NYC. We've also collaborated with Teens Take Charge with student activism. So, because we are focused on answers and solutions, and we're actually telling the truth and we're discussing the intersection of racism and discrimination, we have a growing body of allies that are understanding that in order to get true justice, we have to tell the truth about the conditions of our schools and what has been happening over decades in terms of zoning, in terms of uh, you know the um, the impact of so many things from screens, to to just basic school setting, set up from the small schools movement and school closures, privatization. And, you know, all of those things have impacted our relationships, and we have forced us to talk to each other and to develop understandings, common knowledge, and to exchange a lot of that. We currently have multiple different groups of parents who are actively coming on our Zoom calls, helping to educate other parents spreading information to their own PTAs, SLTs, doing phone trees, doing that type of thing. And parents are key to all of this. And many of our teachers are also parents. So we have that bridge of being a parent with the other parent members and we're also a teacher. So we exchange information from both sides.
1: Right. And, and I understand you all had a a Zoom call on Saturday where a thousand people attended. Uh, what was that like, and, and what were y'all discussing?
0: So, as the week came up, um, our the registration, the reg- registrants, the RSVPs started growing and growing and growing, and we quickly realized we were going to be beyond capacity. That the breakout groups that we had originally planned weren't going to work the way that we thought. It wasn't going to be so much hands-on educating type thing. We were going to have to let people speak, and we're going—we were going to have to up our capacity. So we did to a thousand. We got more people to run this breakout groups. We had to jump in with both feet and make it happen because it, we got a lot of interest. The conversations had to do with what's happening in each particular school. How are the chapter leaders helping you understand the strike? What information have you received? What is the current situation at your school in terms of who is is running things? your chapter leaders helpful, not helpful, present, not present? And we broke down these situations, had people explain what they have done to coordinate and help each other outside of a chapter leader led by unity, mm-hmm. um, and literally try to get people to figure out how to do organizing as a grassroots thing, how to use phone trees, how to to make WhatsApp groups, how to make your Google serves and eList serves, and how to start to literally develop these basic level of coordination. And we talked about things like m- mutual aid within schools, and we know that we have parents who, you know, teachers who are parents who just recently gave birth, people who have uh, elderly, elder care issues, child care issues. How exactly can we coordinate ways to help each other with cancer survivors who are teachers who are now on you know uh remote learning or they're teaching remotely but are stressed out and, and uh, under extreme stress how do we do meal trains to support our fellow teachers how do we coordinate within a district within a neighborhood within a community and this is what was happening in my i i led one group and this is the conversation that we had about how exactly we were going to support each other
1: mm. and uh for people who want to know more about how to get involved with what y'all are doing how, how do people get in touch with you or where do they find so you, online? If, if
0: you or they can find us online at the more website and you we can google we have a blog we have uh we have a twitter that's really active about seven thousand followers at the more caucus u f t um Twitter handle so it depends on how you want to contact us in basic questions you can find us. And uh, if you want to find out what's happening or you have a media request with media at More Caucus um, email and um, definitely the website, as we keep adding more and more stuff to it, we'll have more links. We have a health justice website that we've linked to the main website. We have a, a working group that's talked about the issues that are intersectional with health and uh, racism and uh, funding and, uh, you know, Quality instruction and, and maintaining, you know, uh, a real understanding about how exactly to be culturally responsive. So it depends on what angle you want to to reach us as a parent or as a as a teacher. There's different ways for you guys to connect, um, including we have a Facebook uh, community group that you can find the information there as well.
1: All right. Well, we, we only have about uh, one more minute or so here. Was was there any any Anything else you'd wanted to say or share with people?
0: I'd, I'd like to really press on people the understanding that when people say that there might be some failures or there might be some outbreaks, that please don't let the language that, that our politicians use make you forget that those outbreaks are people, that those failures and school outbreaks are infections and families impacted. And, you know, my, my grandmother passed with COVID, my mother got infected. She still has a lot of leftover um, impact from COVID. I also had, um, I had antibodies, so I must have had it around that time. The reality is that we talk about the kids coming in, but teachers can also come in. So it's a back and forth thing and we're all together and it's about our lives we are a community and there should be no separation between families and teachers because we're both in the school culture and the school community and we need to support each other.
1: All right. We'll have to leave it there. Aisha, uh Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining us this evening on the WBAI Evening News. Uh, she's a public school teacher and a member of Movement of Rank and File Educators, the Social Justice Caucus of the United Federation of Teachers, which may soon be going on strike here in New York City. Thank you. And th- Thank you. Thank you again for joining us.